which is two regular season games and a bowl game left to play, is a win over Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers in a bowl game. The only way Notre Dame can salvage this season, it's coming right up. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Today is Wednesday, November 8th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. I'm Tyler Wojak, and I'm your host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Even though it's a bye week, we got you covered here with plenty of Notre Dame football content. Today, I'm going to be joined by Tyler James from Inside ND Sports, a part of the Rivals Network, to talk about what would success be for Notre Dame over the course of the next two regular season games and the bowl game? Obviously, winning out is the best case scenario, but I think it can get a little bit more specific than that. We get into that. Plus, we talk about Marcus Freeman's priorities during the bye week and how he and the rest of the Notre Dame coaching staff can get a head start on preparing for the offseason, which is two games left in the regular season, and the transfer portal, the early signing period, all that is on the horizon. So this is a great opportunity for Freeman and them to get a head start. I had a lot of fun doing this. I hope you enjoy it too. So let's bring in Tyler. All right, I'm really excited about this one because we've got two Tylers on the show today, myself and Tyler James from Inside ND Sports, who joins me now. Tyler, let's start with this. Obviously, this season has not been what Notre Dame fans had hoped for, but with two regular season games left to play, plus the bowl game, obviously Notre Dame needs to win out, but what do you think is the best case scenario for this team as they close out the season? Yeah, I think the best case scenario is for Notre Dame to not only win, but win impressively and do so with some performances on offense that actually inspire you rather than make you scratch your head which is what we've been seeing for for quite some time now and what how does that come together exactly I don't know that I have the answers for that that's something that Marcus Freeman and Jared Parker and the offensive coaching staff need to figure out during this bye week but I think in addition to winning those games you need to show show some offensive improvement um if there are players that you're holding back for certain reasons, get them, give them the opportunities that they need. Um, if there are parts of your playbook that you're not using for some reason, put them into, into use um, and try to find the strengths of this offense, because I think that's been maybe the most frustrating part is like, I don't know that you can really say what the identity of this offense is. Uh, Audrey Gessman can certainly run the ball well, but they don't necessarily do it in the same way every week. And, um, it seems like a lot of times when they actually need it to happen, they don't have it available to them. So in addition to that, obviously getting a, a good opponent in the bowl game, I think if Notre Dame wins out, the ReliQuest Bowl seems like the most likely destination, and that would be an SEC opponent. And obviously um, I think a lot of people would be excited to play against uh, Brian Kelly and LSU, although um, the downside of losing to Brian Kelly and LSU would be <laughs> quite the dark spiral potentially to end this season. So, um, I guess be careful what you wish for, but um, certainly as a media member, that's something that I would be interested in covering for sure. I was going to say for everyone who covers the team, if Notre Dame were to get LSU, it'd be like the jump start that everyone needed because it seems like interest has sort of waned a little bit as Notre right. Dame has lost three out of their last six games. But you get a matchup that's got that much juice to it with Notre Dame and LSU. I, I, 
I can only imagine the buildup for that game. But we're going to have to see because Notre Dame still has to win out uh, during the regular season. And I think Wake Forest and Sanford are going to be a little bit tricky. But as I was saying, the, the momentum around the program right now, it isn't that strong. But if Notre Dame were to win out, they win these next two games and say, you know what, let's, let's reach for the stars here. Let's say they do beat LSU, they beat Brian Kelly in the bowl game. What do you think that would do to the momentum around this team going into the offseason, despite the fact that they have three losses? I think there would there would be positive momentum. I, so here's the thing about, like, this season always felt like a bit of a one-off because you knew you had Sam Hartman and for only one year. So this season was sort of like I – and I think that's what's so disappointing for some people. It's like we went out to get Sam Hartman for a three-loss season. Like, that's not what we were expecting. Um, we were hoping to get to the college football playoff. And certainly Notre Dame hasn't gotten to that point. But I think the reason that you had some optimism, I think, should still be there. Although the biggest question moving forward is like, what's the deal with the offense? So I think, it, like I said, if there can be some offensive momentum towards the end of the season, that could be the case. I mean, some people say, uh, I don't care what they do in the last couple of games. Some changes need to be made in order for there to be some renewed optimism in what Notre Dame's offense can be next year. But we're going to be seeing a lot of different pieces. I mean, Audrick estimates probably not going to be back. Um, I, Joe Walt certainly has a pretty good uh, paycheck waiting for him whenever he decides to go into the NFL draft. Um, and so I, I think th- maybe these last two two or three games is when you can finally see some more positive momentum from those wide receivers. Maybe Sam Hartman just sort of lets, lets it rip the last couple of games with maybe a lot less pressure than he's been playing under the last – um few weeks uh so I, I think those would be some maybe some reasons for optimism um and then yeah i mean some offensive creativity from jared parker maybe some younger guys stepping up i think those could be um things to to show momentum but i think like defensively you're gonna lose some guys probably but it's not no i don't know that there's anyone on Notre Dame's defense right now that's irreplaceable um they have a lot of good depth in a number of places um, and certainly they're going to need guys to step up next season. But um, with what Al Golden's been building, with what um, the way they've recruited and some younger guys have been playing in rotation, you sort of have some confidence that the defense will continue to play at a high level. So I think there's reason to believe at least that half of the of the field will be um, continuing its sort of upward trend going into next season. Without a doubt. And the bye week is at a really weird time. But honestly, I think it might be exactly what Notre Dame needs because they can basically get a head start on addressing all of those offseason questions that we've referred to so far. Like they can start preparing for this transfer portal, maybe scouting some guys, uh, recruiting. We're getting close to the early signing day and also some critical decisions regarding the future of Notre Dame staff. So if you were Marcus Freeman, what would your top priorities be during this bye week? Yeah, I mean, I think he, he has to worry about winning those next two games. I, he's course, yeah. he's not at a spot where uh, he can take those games for granted, given how Notre Dame has lost some games that they shouldn't have in the in the past and during his short tenure. So I think that has to still be top of mind. But yeah, I think evaluating the portal possibilities, seeing where young guys are at. I mean, if there's some guys that are maybe borderline uh, redshirt candidates, like if they've played three or four games, do we want to push through? talk to those players, make sure that they're on board with that. I think those that's important. I know some people will be like, well, what if the coaches want them to play, they need to play, but uh, it's a little bit more complicated in the current portal era than that. Uh, so I, I think that is something that should be of, of important conversations. And then, yeah, what, what is, what does 
Marcus Freeman needs to ask, what does our offense look like? Not just these next two or three games, but what is it going to look like in the broader picture? Now he doesn't have to find all the answers for that in this one week, but I think that needs to be um, something that is discussed and um, considered and evaluated moving forward. And these, this allows him some time to do that. But I think most importantly, it's, it's making sure that this team is in a position to finish the rest of the season strong because you can Notre Dame can can make it through with three losses, but four or five losses that would be really hard to stomach, and and that could wipe that optimism away that some people still have um, because the, this is still sort of a new thing here for Marcus Freeman. Yeah, they got to win out because at this point, any additional loss in the regular season would be. Maybe I, I was going to say catastrophic. That may, that might be too strong of a word, but still, I don't. I would say probably just embarrassing. You know yeah, what I mean? Embarrassing like, I think is yeah. probably more. Uh, it's probably more fitting. It's not quite like UConn in two thousand nine level. Like that. Hmm. That was catastrophic. But right. Notre Dame does have to win out. If they were to win out, that means the offense would have to show pretty significant improvement because it can't get any worse than what it was during the second half of last week. And Mm -hmm. I think to some fans that might present a double-edged sword because it's like, Oh great. The offense is improved. Does that mean we're going to have Jared Parker around for the future? Or, I mean, if it really bottoms out, then I I think we all know what's going to happen then. But do you think that these next two games will dramatically alter Marcus Freeman's decision about the future of the offense, not just with the coach, the philosophy, things like that, because they're only playing Wake Forest and Stanford. Like the expectation should be to put up points on those guys. I, I don't think so. The, the only way that I think it could, if for, if for some reason Jared Parker has all these, and I don't necessarily believe this to be the case, if Jared Parker has all these ideas that he's wanted to do with this offense, but Marcus Freeman's been telling him, no, like this is what I want our offense to be. And so Jared Parker is more or less following Marcus Freeman's orders and in, in trying to execute Marcus Freeman's sort of idea of what this offense needs to look like. Because then if that's the case, and then he lets Jared Parker like take over and like do whatever he wants and then has a great two games. And I think that would be influential. Otherwise like Jared Parker, like this offense, this statistically isn't, isn't bad. They've had good games. Um, they've had good moments, even against bad or good competition, but they have not done enough against those best opponents. And that's, I mean, this is Notre Dame. You, you you need to win those games, and you can't rely on your defense to win all those games for you. Um, and so I think Marcus Freeman will have to look at the full sum of what this season has been, and particularly the, the games that Notre Dame's offense didn't come through and figure out why it didn't come through. And if the, the arrows start pointing back at Jared Parker, then I think that is what will most inform his decision to um, either move on or, or not move on from, from him as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I agree. I think he's got a pretty good sense of what he's going to do right now, but you obviously got to let these last two games play out. We'll be right back with Tyler to talk more about Notre Dame's plans during the bye week. But first, I want to tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a skill based, real money daily fantasy sports game where you pick two to six players and if they will do more or less than their Prize Picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Price Picks adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience. You can watch your progress update in real time, win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. I've been playing Price Picks recently. I have no idea why I waited so long. My favorite part about it, personally, is that you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals and sharks. Go to PricePicks.com slash LockedOnCollege and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. That's PricePicks.com slash LockedOnCollege, code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. One of the weird things about 
the college football calendar and the way everything works is that when the regular season ends, it's arguably the busiest time in college football because the transfer portal opens up on December 4th, I believe. The early signing period is December 20th. So there's a lot going on around that time. Marcus Freeman is going to have to make a choice about Jared Parker, and I think he's going to have to make it basically like, really soon once the regular season ends. So when do you expect we'll find out about Jared Parker's future at Notre Dame? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it would make sense to do that just to make sure that they were on the same page with all the recruits. I don't like if if Notre Dame were to move on from Jared Parker, I don't know that that would sway recruits from exiting Notre Dame's class necessarily. So maybe it's maybe it's just a conversation you have and you'd say we want to ride the, this thing out through the bowl game with Jared Parker. So I, I don't really necessarily have a great sense for that. And I don't know. Would that. Would, would Notre Dame waiting through the bowl game to make a decision and, and probably not make a decision. It just be more or less like announcing a decision or, or actually following through with it. Like I imagine the decision will be made even before the bowl game, but I like, does it really give you a head start? I mean, I think it's more with head coaches than maybe coordinators. It would give you, you wouldn't want to have that done because you, you, you can, you can pull a head coach away before a bowl, but I think it's a lot harder to pull like a coordinator away before a bowl game. But but maybe maybe there's ways to start those conversations. Um, whether it's you already have that open or not, I think Marcus Freeman certainly has a close enough relationship with Jared Parker where I think he can be honest with him and in, in what they want to do moving forward. So I don't exactly know how that timeline is going to work out, um, which certainly doesn't make my job any easier. Uh, yeah. Like you mentioned, once that regular season ends, you sort of you might be on edge for a while there trying to figure out what's going to happen. Yeah, man. Good luck planning vacations or time <laughs> off or anything like that when the season ends, because there's going to be so much news that comes out. Like I'm not even ready for it. I'm talking about it right now. But to give uh, the listeners some perspective, Tommy Reese left for Alabama on February 3rd. So sometimes these things take time. Other times it happens pretty quick because there's another element to this um, with Notre Dame's decision for the offensive coordinator and really the future of the offense is that it's like the worst kept secret in, in the college football world right now that Notre Dame is definitely going to pursue a transfer quarterback again this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into the timing and all that in a second, but there's certainly pros and cons to this decision. Notre Dame has done it twice now, first with Jack Cohen, now with Sam Hartman. Do you believe it's the right move for Notre Dame looking ahead to next season? I think so, yes. I, I, I'm not sold enough on Steve Angeli to sort of put um, the future of this program is sort of in his hands. And then I mean, certainly you could say, well, what about Kenny Minchie and CJ Carr? I, I don't feel that way about those guys yet. I think it's too early to sort of put that on those guys. So I think, I mean, there, there's there's no reason you can't bring in a guy and Steve Angeli still beats him out, right? I mean, that's that's not um, against the rules. <laughs> um, certainly Steve Angeli might say, I don't want to stay if you bring in someone. But um, I think, uh, I, I mean, Steve Angeli doesn't exactly have like a long resume that he's going to walk into a, a – starting role that's better than what it would be uh the situation at Notre Dame would be my guess if he decided to transfer out so it is going to be hard to figure out like okay how do you pitch a guy on coming in here um following Sam Hartman Sam the Sam Hartman situation would be somewhat similar if say if you do move on from Jared Parker you're on to a new coordinator Sam Hartman came to Notre Dame before knowing who that new coordinator was because at that time it was Tommy Reese uh, and so how, how does how does Notre Dame sell this portal quarterback on 
that they will make the right decisions for that for that player and will be setting him up. Certainly, like having Gino Gaduli as the quarterbacks coach in place, I think would be helpful with that. Um, but who knows? Maybe Notre Dame goes out and finds an offensive coordinator that's a quarterbacks coach, and maybe so maybe Gino Gaduli isn't around anymore. I I don't know. I, I think there's all kinds of possibilities if Notre Dame's in the offensive coordinator market of how the offensive coaching staff could shake out. Um, so it's it's quite the balance uh, that they have to to walk here, and and, and I think it's going to have to do with the quarterback being that they would Notre Dame would pursue really buying into what Marcus Freeman's sort of vision for the program is and an understanding of what playing at Notre Dame at a high level can do for a quarterback. Yeah, it's really interesting, man, because Notre Dame on one hand, you're like, they got to move with a sense of urgency with the coordinator position, because if they really need a portal guy, it's going to be a lot harder to get one when you don't even have an offensive coordinator or you don't know who it's going to be if the old guy's still around. So there's a lot maybe, of things I mean, put, yeah. maybe maybe there's a two for one deal out there. Maybe you can find an <laughs> offensive coordinator that has a really good quarterback and bring hey, them both in. You know what? It kind of worked with USC. They got Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Notre Dame is gonna have um that much luck. But it's probably the biggest storyline of this offseason. What is Notre Dame gonna do and how are they gonna approach it? Because Obviously, that's a huge decision. We saw it play out on the field this year with mm-hmm. Notre Dame with, uh, with what they've been running out on offense. But um, outside of quarterback, like we, we've talked about that a little bit, which position groups do you think are most in need of help via the transfer portal this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I think you could turn any number of ways there. I I think you probably are doing yourself a disservice if you don't continue to evaluate the wide receiver market um, for a portal entry. I'm of the maybe unpopular opinion that I, if there's a stud left tackle out there, I would bring him in. I, I don't, I'm not fully buying into Blake Fisher being a star left, left tackle after the struggles he's had as a right tackle this season. Can I, can I interject there? Why sure. do you think that's an unpopular opinion? Uh, Yeah. I don't know. I guess people talk about, I mean, no, pe- people do like, I, I'm just trying to get a better sense of it. Like what? what yeah. I mean, well, I mean, Blake Fisher is a five-star recruit. And so I think it's sort of the natural progression. I think, and then there's some people that think, well, maybe if you don't offer Blake Fisher, the job as a left tackle, maybe he just goes to the NFL anyways, but I don't know that he's playing to an NFL level this season. Um, so I, I think that would, wouldn't necessarily be the best decision for Blake Fisher. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, it's risky. I mean, you don't, you would not you wouldn't think that Notre Dame offensive line you should have to go to the transfer portal uh, for a left tackle. Um, but Joe Alda's been such a stud there, and you don't necessarily know what you have next behind him. Um, I, my my preference, if they don't go in the portal, would be Emil Wagner. I would really like to see what he could do as a left tackle for Notre Dame next season. Um, but obviously, that's a big question mark. I. I, I if I'm an offensive line coach, am I staking my future on Emil Wagner as the next left tackle going into next season? I don't know. Uh, so I think that uh, those are things that Notre Dame's going to have to figure out. Um, beyond the offense, defensively, I think you probably consider safety depending on who stays. Like if Xavier Watts and or Antonio Carter decide to leave, whether that Watts being for the NFL and Carter maybe going back to the portal market, um, then I think you need a safety if you don't lose both of those guys, or, or, or then maybe you're okay. And if both of them come back, then I think you're definitely okay. Um, Viper defensive end, like I, I, I don't think that position's been good enough for Notre Dame this season. Um, so I would be interested to see what Notre Dame could find there if there were, was an option. Certainly, you have some younger guys there um, in the working their way up. But is Joshua Burnham and Bubakar Traore and Josh, uh, Junior Tui Halamaka enough? to go into next season. 
Um, I think those are those are things that I would probably consider if I were um, evaluating the portal market. But I think you have to. I mean, that the current day and age is you have to evaluate everything. I mean, you have to always be willing to upgrade um, and never rule anything out if it if it makes sense and it's a guy that can fit here. Um, and and I, especially with Notre Dame such has such like slim parameters to get guys in through the transfer portal. If there's there's a guy that makes sense, I think you have to at least look into it and figure out um, if it's if it's a match. I'm of the belief that if there's a good transfer prospect out there who wants to come to Notre Dame, take him. Figure out the depth mm-hmm. chart and all that later. If that person can contribute on the team, you got to take him because guys are going to leave anyway. Guys who you and I probably would never expect right now are probably right. going to transfer out of Notre Dame. Last year was Logan Diggs. Who knows who it's going to be this year? And that's not a problem specific to Notre Dame. That's the nature of college football right now. Like, look at Jermaine Burton. He transferred from um, Georgia to Alabama. Bear Alexander transferred from Georgia to USC. So it happens to the good programs, too. But to your point about Blake Fisher and people's concern about whether Notre Dame should add a, a transfer on the offensive line, Michigan won the Joe Moore Award the past two years, and they added Ladarius Henderson, a transfer from Arizona State. He is their starting left tackle right now, so mm-hmm. it can work. But do you see Absolutely. do you see Blake Fisher's future as a right tackle? Do you do you see is that even an option anymore to switch him back to left tackle? Because like I feel like as fans, people who aren't as familiar with the position, they're like, oh, that's an easy move. But in reality, I think it's a lot more difficult than people might expect. Yeah, I think I would want to have seen him have more consistent success at right tackle to feel confident in moving him over to left tackle. Um, and I think some of the things he struggled with, um, particularly in pass protection with it being uh, some quickness issues. Like I think that only gets magnified and worsened at the left tackle spot. So I'm, I maybe, maybe Notre Dame has better, or I would imagine Notre Dame does have better insight into why or why not it could work um, for Blake Fisher to move to left tackle but those are my concerns from a, from the outside perspective of like, okay, if he wasn't doing this well at right tackle, what makes us believe that he's going to do that better at left tackle? Um, what, why is he having the struggles that he had this season? Um, and, and can those, are those fixable um, to be uh, put even in a tougher role at the left tackle spot? Why do you think he struggled so much this season? Because I felt like last year, um, you know, he's coming off that very serious injury and this year, he just hasn't taken the step that I think most of us would have expected going into the season. Uh, I've heard some reports that maybe he's dealing with an injury. Marcus Freeman even mentioned that he was dealing with a hand injury, and that's why he was uh, taken out of the Louisville game. Like, what do you see when you watch him on film? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, he lost a lot of weight in the offseason, which I think sounded like a good idea, but I, I don't yeah. know if that's necessarily helped. I think there's just been a little bit of – it's been a little bit of everything. I think sometimes he's not firing off like you would think he would. Um, maybe like that hand injury is an issue. Um, I, I don't really know exactly what's led to him being a, a more inconsistent player this season, but he hasn't taken taken those those right steps. And, and maybe it comes down to play, like more uncertainty in the guys you're playing next to. Um, if it's uh, right guard Rocco Spindler. He's obviously making his starting debut this season, and so he's having to try to help him along, and maybe that's that's caused some issues. Um, the tight ends have been up and down in terms of blockers, and so maybe just getting on the same page with all those guys has been a little bit more difficult, and maybe some of the changes in the run schemes that Joe Rudolph has, has put in place um, with Jared Parker as the offensive coordinator haven't necessarily put him in the best positions that, that he can thrive in and maybe 
Um, there's just been too many different ways that he's been pulled in that haven't allowed him to sort of continue on in an upward trajectory that so many of us thought he would be on. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action because the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. For my pick this week, I'm sticking with the Bears, minus 3.5 against the Panthers on Thursday Night Football. Again, this is dependent on whether or not Justin Fields plays. I think he's going to play. I think I'm going to ride with the Bears. Stay tuned for updates later on this week. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. You mentioned the guys that he's playing next to, right guard being Rocco Spindler, left guard Pat Coogan, two guys who are in their first year as starters. What do you think of their performance so far this season? Because I think overall it's been good. They've dealt with some growing pains, which are necessary, even though they're technically juniors at the college level, first-year starters. So uh, there's always going to be like an uphill battle there, but how do you think they played overall? Yeah, I the problem I think is like they haven't – I don't know that they've played at their best at the same time, unfortunately. Like it seems like at the beginning of the season, I thought Pat Coogan was a little bit ahead of Rocco Spindler in terms of the way he was playing. And then that sort of leveled off. Uh, and I thought Pat Coogan really struggled this past week against Clemson. Um, and so I I think there's been some up and downs there. I think that's what you sort of expect with um, first-year starters. Um, I sort of see the vision for what they wanted there. Uh, I, I thought we, we would get a little bit better out of them. And if, if we weren't getting better out of them, that we would see maybe Billy Shrouth more. Um, but not in the way that it was handled in the Louisville game. I think that. Um, I was very um, curious to say the least. Like, I don't, I don't know what this sort of plan of attack was there in terms of putting Billy Stroud in that left guard and then putting Christoph again at center and moving Stroud to right guard. It just seemed like too much stuff going on at once. But I also like in between those two guys, Zeke Carell has not had the season that Notre Dame needed him to have as a veteran center in between those guys that are, are young players. He just isn't holding ground as well as he needs to he just hasn't had the strength development that's allowed him to sort of dominate at that center position um and then certainly that doesn't help the guys next to you as well so i think those things um sort of all combined together they put a lot on the guards in terms of being pullers and so you have to make a lot of decisions in short amount of times when you're coming around the corner for those and so for the most part i think they've done a pretty good job with that but i think it just adds something to their plate that they have to do a good job with and so Sometimes that can maybe be a little too much. Yeah, it feels like Zeke Corral's struggles have been very loud this season, like against mm-hmm. the Duke game when you just see him getting pushed back. And then right. there was that play against Clemson. I think actually Eric McLean even tweeted it out. Zeke Corral just got driven back like five yards by the Clemson defensive tackle. So it's been an up and down season for for him. But we've talked a lot about the offense. The defense has been incredible all season long. For I shouldn't. They've been incredible, incredible for the most part all season long. Mm-hmm. They had some lapses on Saturday, but the future of the defense looks bright. It looks like they'll probably lose most of the linebackers, considering they're all graduate, graduate students. I know they each have a year left of eligibility. Uh, they're going to lose some guys in the defensive line as well. But at corner, they still have Benjamin Morrison, and then they got young guys like Christian Gray in the mix as well. I don't know if Al Golden is going to be around next year. He's certainly going to have a lot of opportunities thrown his way this offseason, but how do you see the future of the Notre Dame defense looking beyond this season? Yeah, I'll start with Golden. I, I think 
At this point, I think it's more likely that he's back rather than he isn't. I think Al, Gold, <laughs> Al Golden is in a spot in his career that I think he needs to be very choosy with what he wants to do. And I think certainly if there's an opportunity to be like a defensive coordinator in the NFL, I think he would jump at that. I don't know how many teams would be interested in that. Um, that's something that I don't know that I could predict, but um, that would probably be highly dictated on like what kind of movement happens at the NFL level. Who who are the head coaches looking for defensive coordinators and do they have ties to Al Golden? Do they have some sort of reason to pursue him um, because of his success, even though he hasn't had coordinator experience at the NFL level? Um, but yeah, beyond in terms of the talent that Notre Dame has, Notre Dame was pretty heavy um, since Marcus Freeman arrived as defensive coordinator and getting recruiting talent on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's sort of shifted a little bit in the other direction in the current 2024 recruiting class. Um, but there are a lot of talented guys coming up like Christian Gray, like you mentioned, uh, Jalen Sneed. I think they're trying to find the right role for him, but I think we've seen just what his athleticism can do in certain moments and um, another year with the experience coming back next year and finding out where he can fits in best um, will be good. I think Drake Bowen, Nolan Ziegler, those guys are um, – Reasons to believe that the linebacker position will be in, in good hands moving forward. The defensive line has some talent there. Brendan Vernon was very highly recruited um, as a defensive end. Um, some defensive tackles that will be coming back that don't that they've haven't seen a lot of playing time this year because uh, Howard Cross the third and Riley Mills have played so well. But we, we've seen good things from Gabriel Rubio, Donovan Heinish. Um, I think there's some other guys da- down the depth chart that can that can uh, pick up the slack there. So there's a, there's a lot of reason to believe that the defense should be able to keep things rolling um, so long as the defensive staff stays together um, and sort of have that continuity that I think has been important in these last two seasons for Notre Dame. Yeah, I really hope you're right about Al Golden staying because I think he proved a lot of people wrong this season, and that man deserves a raise uh, after what he's been able to do with the Notre Dame defense this season. But you can check out Tyler's work for Inside ND Sports, a part of the Rivals Network. Plus, you can watch or listen to him on Football Never Sleeps. Tyler, I really appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on and doing this. I had a lot of fun. Absolutely. No problem. Anytime. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again for making Locked On Irish your first listen of the day. Before you head out, remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube if you're watching or if you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review there as well. I really appreciate you guys continuing to tune in to these episodes despite the fact that the season is it what we had hoped for? Notre Dame isn't in contention for the college football playoff, but um, I have a lot of fun doing this with you guys, and I really appreciate every single viewer and listener. So thank you guys, and I'll see you guys again soon.